Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your hyper co-host. Caffeinated. Well-caffeinated, Pastor Brad Mathias. I'm Robert Beeson, and we're uh, super glad to be with you. You know, Robert, I've been looking at the positives of life lately. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm wearing a hat. You got that glow. I got a new hat. Yeah. And you, you know. I don't know what that has to do about positive, but you do have a glow to you. Well, I mean, when I get a new hat, that's like, oh, an elevation in you know mood because mm. it's it's new. It doesn't well, have any dirt it. on it. It's not creased strong. No one sat on it yet. It's fantastic. Hmm. But in a positive sense, I've been looking at some positive statistics, and I know we've been working this season on looking at the glass half full and encouraging our families and parents out there that that God is moving. There are good things happening in the world, and um, if you watch the news, you probably don't get that memo quite as often as you should. And so there's a couple details here that really aren't spiritual per se, but they were very meaningful to me. Okay? Huh. You ready for this? You're sitting down, so that's good. Here's a statistic that is important for dads. Pizza is literally better for you than most breakfast cereals. So go ahead and eat that slice left over from dinner for breakfast. That's a good idea. Like we needed an excuse. Well, but for a dad, it's a fantastic way to get breakfast to your kids when you're running hard. I will say, though, that comparing anything to breakfast cereals, there's a good chance that it's better than breakfast cereals because breakfast cereals are like just so much sugar and so much processed. Is this like you dogging the higher graduation rate because we lowered... Yeah, I guess I am going pessimistic. You sure are a cynic. Uh, I'm just celebrating the fact that someone wrote it down, said it was true, and therefore I'm now validated. Yeah, you can feel better about things. I love pizza for breakfast. Uh, I think it's one of the most underrated breakfast meals ever. I agree. Yeah. What's your favorite kind of pizza? Um, Well, my favorite, favorite kind of pizza is like Italian, like real authentic, thin crust Fresh mozzarella, fresh tomato, basil. Really simple. Is there a tomato sauce or is it just oil and olive and butter? No, it's like tomatoes, tomato sauce, crushed tomatoes. It's not a sauce as much. It's like um, I went to, I was in Italy a couple years ago, and I went to the place where pizza was invented um, in Naples. Of course you did. And I'm telling you, there was something magical about this place. So it, they were churning, they were just cranking these, everything was done like in a, like a factory setting. It was this tiny little place, hole in the wall, lying out the door. That was the best pizza in the world. Well, maybe you could send me a link to where you went so we could put that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. People who are traveling. It's actually on, Julia Roberts was in a movie called See Here Love or something, See Here something, is that what it is? Something like that. Eat, Pray, Love. Thank you, Melanie. Um, and they featured this place in that. So it's- uh, it's, it's famous. Unbelievable. I'm going to tell you that the best pizza in the world is found in central Illinois at a chain of pizzerias known as Monocle's Pizza. You lost me on chain. It's just a small regional chain, maybe 20 stores. And it is the best thin crust pizza in the world. Like, hmm. 
it is phenomenal. And I grew up there thinking it was normal. And then when I moved away, look at my disappointment. Okay. Well, I think a lot of it could have to do, has to do with your origin. Like you, you were from there. Everybody likes their hometown, whatever. They think it's the best. It's true. I think there might be something. There's probably something to that, but I've taken other people, especially on our tours at iShine and I've let them try it and they all agree. That was the best thin crust pizza they'd ever had. So at some point there's some, you know, something there. See, listeners, this is the kind of value you get from this podcast. Well, I have a fantastic segue. Okay, good. Let's hear it, please. Here it comes. Today's guest is just starting college, right? So pizza is a big part of their life. Pizza's going to be a huge part of her life in the next four years. And she's going (laughs) to learn the nuance of good pizza versus cheap pizza. And as a college student, often you give up good pizza for cheaper quantity pizza. Yeah. And so you begin to value good pizza more as you realize there are bad pizzas out there. Okay. And college is one of those places where pizza becomes a three times a day meal rather than just at night or for breakfast. Like it becomes part of your normal consumption pattern. It's been a while since you've been in college. Just saying, it might not be like that anymore. Yeah, but I just saw three of my kids go through college. Oh, okay. So fair enough. I feel like. Well, why don't you introduce our guest instead Katie, of just meandering Katie, around this conversation? Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, Katie Morton. She is a longtime friend of this show. She's worked for iShine over the last year. I have been Katie's pastor for most of her life, and uh, I've watched her grow up from a young preteen. To an 18-year-old, you're 18, right? I want to make sure I got that yeah. right. Mm-hmm. To this amazing young woman. And uh, she's very intelligent, top of her class in high school, graduated early. She's at Austin P University. Welcome to our crazy podcast. Hello. <laughs> it's great to have you here, Katie. Thanks. So, Katie, you have... Uh, the luxury of being in a public institution for the next four years, you are going to be going through studies to get a degree, right? What have you decided what you're studying for? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do business and marketing. Business and marketing. And uh, that's a four-year degree, correct? Bachelor's degree? Yep. So for our listeners, one of the reasons uh, for our podcast that we wanted to interview Katie is to get the perspective of a, of a student who has been through uh, sort of the, the Christian family experience, who's been a faithful, regular attender to church and is also part of the culture. And I think as parents uh, in Christian ministry, we can often get... Um, separated from the facts sometimes. Hmm. Uh, I think we have assumptions we make that can be good, and sometimes they're not good. And those assumptions really need to be tested from time to time to make sure we're truly uh, keeping up with the pulse of our youth. And so I asked Katie to be a part of this. She's not a huge fan of being in the public, but she's courageous enough to let me do this interview, and I appreciate that, Katie. Um, But Robert and I are just going to go through a series of questions for you, none of which have right or wrong answers. We're just looking for an honest response because I think the parents and pastors who listen to this podcast could benefit greatly from your perspective. Okay. Okay. 
Over the last few months, I've sent Katie a series of different uh, either research articles or commentaries about society or culture. And I've asked what her opinions were on that. And she's been very, very straightforward, well thought out. Some of those blogs and responses that she's written are on the iShineLive.com website. And you can, you can sort of read for yourself what she said. But just to recap, one of those articles was a question about, you know, should you make your kids go to church? Mm. Uh, and for parents, I think that's a question that really needs answered. Yeah. And uh, I remember that, uh, I believe it was the Gospel Coalition that had a, an opinion essay on that. And uh, I gave it to Katie. So, Katie, tell me, uh, in your opinion, as a Generation Z, what what was your response to that article? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I think um, when like, because the most important thing I think when you're kind of parenting a child is to have them uh, give them like a lasting faith instead of just like making them go to church because when they like move out or go to college, they're not really going to go to church if you just made them go because no one really likes to do what they're told. So um, I think it's important to kind of like urge your child to go, but not to just tell them, you know, this is what you're going to do and you're going to like it and you have no choice and you're just going to church. So it's important to kind of instill faith instead of just a habit of going to church. So were you, um, did your parents make you go to church or was it a choice for you? Um, they made me go when I was probably like younger, like seven, eight, nine. But then after that, I just really enjoyed church. So I didn't try not to go. Do you have um, other friends that, uh, that were quote unquote forced to go to church? And um, what do they say about that experience if you do know someone like that? Uh, yeah, I had one friend who their mom was very like controlling. So they really made her go to church. And she is like an atheist now and she's totally like anti-church and doesn't want to go on it. It really like hurt her a lot. I think her parents forcing her to go really um, kind of made her turn away from faith in God and church in general. So hmm. she's not very keen on it now. Hmm. Well, that's enlightening, isn't it? I know there are a lot of Christian uh, ministries and, and really different sort of philosophies on raising kids, and uh, we're not necessarily taking a side here. We're just sort of illuminating the issue and, mm -hmm. and asking parents to really think about that. I suspect it could be different for each child in a family. Robert, what do you think of that? I think it can be. I think that the, the dangerous part is, you know, is this something you do as precedent? You know, well, you didn't make this one child go to church why are you making me go to church and singling me out and I mean it's <clears throat> I agree we're not taking a stance here it is interesting hearing your comments Katie because it this is a debate that I know that I mean families want to do the right thing and let me let me say this that I think that forcing a child to have a spiritual relationship is dangerous but helping a kid to understand the importance of a spiritual relationship is critical. Um, I've been really moved by this book 
uh, that Francis Chan wrote lately called Letters to the Church. It's just, it's a real, it's a great read, but it's talking about the function of church and how when church was established, it wasn't an organization and establishment. It was people coming together, doing life together. That was the church. And we have turned it into an organization. And so his, his book is all about trying to get back to like the home church model, not an organized home church, but just, and, and I don't know that it's actually in place of coming together for worship, but I think one of the things that are triggered in me related to parenting is, and we say this a lot, Brad, like a lot of times parents don't feel like the expert spiritually, so they drop their kids off at church or they make them go to church so they can get some input. When we as parents are called to be the church to our families. And so I think that forcing your kids, at least where I land on this, forcing your kids to go to church and that is the only spiritual input that they are getting is a dangerous thing to do. <clears throat> if spirituality, Christianity, the wa- walking the way of Jesus is a part of your everyday life, then I, then for me personally, I am until they're 18 saying church is a part of our life as a family. And it's not the only spiritual part of our life, but it is an important part of coming together and worshiping together. Um, yeah, so if I'm hearing the nuance to what you're saying, you're saying church as a community, not church as a Sunday institution. Yeah, church is, church is a community, and church is um, a lot, it's a lot more than coming together as an organized entity. It right. really is, you know, fellowship with your kids, with other families and whatever, and making that, doing life together. Because, I mean, that Jesus walked life with, with his disciples. He walked, I mean... And, you know, you look at Acts, when the church exploded, it went from, you know, a small group to 300 to 3,000 to 5,000. And, and, but it was, they always talk about breaking bread together and like, you know, fellowshipping. And it was, it was leading. There was definitely worship and leading and that kind of thing. But the model looks more like doing life than sitting in a pew. Right. Chans talks about how we have become as a church culture um, consumers rather than participants. And he has this great quote. He says, I think what, what Christians need more, um, they need more physical trainers than massage therapists. <laughs> Churches have become more like massage therapists that just tell you, make you feel good for a little bit instead of physical trainers where you're doing life together. So that's what I've got to say about that. Well, so let's ask the expert here. Let's ask Katie. Um, what role did your church community play in your spiritual formation? I think basically everything because um, we had like our um, small groups on Wednesday, so it was re- that was really more of a discussion than a sermon. And then um, it was our church really was community, and so everyone kind of hung out together and went out to eat, and um, like just seeing that like form of community and friendships. Um, and relationships really like helped me because I found many people that um, kind of mentored me through my faith and um, kind of helped me establish it before I uh, went to college. And so I was pre- I'm pretty strong in my faith here. So it's um, very it was very helpful, really. You yes. saw the real thing. Yeah. So the the expert opinion is you're right. Um, that community is more important than the actual Sunday service attendance. Mm. The, the fact that the family is in, integrated into something bigger than itself. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of an interview we did with Dan Scott. 
um, when yeah. he was talking about anchoring ourselves to something um, eternal, not just temporary. Mm. Yeah. Um, for this generation to see that there are things in their life that actually don't change, right. that are, are unchanging and therefore reliable. Um, forget how I said it exactly, but if you want to go back and listen to that podcast with Dan Scott, it'll tell you. All right, let's keep moving, Katie. You, um, your generation Z, <coughs> you were born between 1995 and 2010. And according to the experts, you are the first generation of true digital natives. So for our listeners, that means you've never not known a world that didn't have uh, real technology all the time. So mobile phones, internet, Wi-Fi, those are all things that you just can't imagine living without because you've never had to. And many of our listeners have uh, been alive before those things were invented. And so there's a generation gap that exists between you and, say, the 40-somethings that are often your teachers or pastors or leaders in your life. And so one of the things that we're trying to do in this podcast is to educate our older listeners about these younger youth that are growing up and becoming adults and beginning to understand them better. What would you say is the most misunderstood thing by the church, uh, leaders, the older people, for the younger, up-and-coming young adults? Um. I think it's more of, um, like, I know at the church I go to, they don't really like to have, like, Bibles on your phones. They don't like you to be, um, like, tithing on your phones and all that stuff. But the problem with not, like, you know, like, saying, like, oh, all that's bad because you could be distracted or all of this, I personally like having my Bible on my phone because it's always with me and I have things highlighted and notes and also most tithing happens not on Sundays. And so when people get their checks during the week, they go ahead and tithe. But if if you don't like have tithing online, then sometimes they forget or it doesn't always happen on Sundays. So um, I think technology really does help in a church to um, kind of benefit the church and get kind of in like social media and stuff with churches, you can get the word out there, get more, um, you know, people coming to visit and all that stuff. So if I'm hearing you right, uh, the, one of the bigger gaps between the older generation and yours is the use of technology as a part of the church. Yeah. Would you agree with that, Robert? Yeah, I would. I, <clears throat> I was at church this week, interestingly enough, and I was, um, it was a great sermon, and I was sitting next to my daughter, and I got annoyed because I looked down and I saw her phone was out, and she was on her phone. And I'm like, I reached over to go, no, now's not the time. And I realized that she was open to the scripture that we were referring to. It was like on her on her phone. And like she was actually really tuned in to what was happening from the pulpit on her screen. And I, I noticed my reflex was like, hey, put your phone away. This is church. But really, she was doing exactly what you're talking about, Katie. I mean, she was actually immersed in what was happening from the pulpit. And she was studying it on her phone yeah which i was like okay i just learned something there i don't yeah we demonize things yeah it's not a threat no yeah it's it's not not a threat threat. yeah one of one of the uh research articles that i read for this interview uh states this for generation z years katie's age 
The key point is not to define themselves through only one stereotype, but rather for individuals to experiment with different ways of being themselves hmm. and to shape their individual identities over time. Would you agree with that? Is that accurate? Yeah, and I also think that there's negative and positive ways of doing that. That, um, yeah, there's just there's positive and negatives to that, depending on what you do or what you believe, or how you're raised or what you're around and stuff like that. Yeah, that the researchers actually called this generation identity nomads. Hmm. So there's a process that's occurring with Generation Z that didn't with millennials or baby boomers or Generation X, where instead of accepting that they're a jock or an academic or a... They're embracing the process. Yeah, they're not allowing themselves to be sort of typecast, if you will, early on. They want to find out multiple different stereotypes before they decide which one's really them. Hmm. That's fascinating. It is. Uh, here's another thing that uh, the quote experts have said. Generations ears are radically inclusive. They believe in the importance of dialogue and accept differences of opinion. Did you agree with that? Is that accurate? Yeah, and I've met plenty of people, especially here at college, um, that are real not pushing opinions and they're really just, this is what I believe, what do you believe? and let's talk about it so it's very open and I know I'm involved with a few ministries on campus and a lot of them play you know we'll play games we'll do capture the flag and stuff like that and one of their main things that they say before we play is they always say you know we love Jesus but there's no pressure for you to love Jesus we're all here for a community of people to give you support through college and if you choose that you want to, you know, get to know Jesus or you kind of want to know what it's about, then just come find us and we'll talk to you about it. Hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that this research, and it was secular research, I'll have it on our uh, Brilliantly Brave Parenting website for people to look at. But uh, it, was a, it was really interesting. It actually said that Generation Zers can interact with institutions that they don't agree with. Uh, but they can actually engage with them and glean things from it that are helpful to them. They don't, they're not cut and dried. In other words, they can go to church and they use that, in, they actually use that in the research example. They'll go to a religious organization, participate without agreeing fully with it. Huh. Is that something you've experienced, Katie? Yeah, I mean, I know plenty of people who do that, even with like different, um, like types of ministries or just different types of clubs and stuff that just do it solely for the social aspect and to kind of um, just kind of have something to do, but also to meet people and have friends and yeah. I think that's a huge generation gap because uh, as a pastor, I've seen older, so middle-aged people who are like, you know, if I don't agree 100% with something, they go to another church. Right. Like they don't have that flex in their sort of I agree. And I think it's it's going to be interesting, you know, as we get into election cycles, because we, and I don't want to get political here, but we live in a society, at least with the older generations, that seems so divisive and so like polarized. Polarized is the right word. And we've got a crop of of people coming up that, Katie, you're going to vote this, this next election cycle that are these nomad kind of people that are like, okay, I'm just because I'm 
voting this way doesn't mean I'm a Republican or I'm a whatever. It just means I'm voting this way. And I think it's, it's actually kind of, I, I'm encouraged by this nomadish kind of philosophy because for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it leads to enlightenment. I mean, I think there's a lot more that you can understand if you don't just close off the walls. And if you're interested in listening, even, even to other religions, we shouldn't be threatened by listening to a Muslim's point of view or that, that doesn't mean that we're interested, doesn't mean we're going to follow that, but it's equipping ourselves to know what they believe and, as importantly, be in relationship with people that are not just like us. And I, I like that about what you said about youth group or the, the clubs that, on campus. To, to profess your faith and we love and follow Jesus, we're not telling you you have to. We're just glad you're here. Again, getting back to this model of the church kind of thing, you're just doing life with people. I mean, you're, that's where impact can really happen. And showing the attractiveness, I mean, Christ will draw people to himself. And so I'm encouraged by hearing, you know, the church, you hear these stats, people are walking away from the church when they're 18 and, you know, <clears throat> and that those, those are undisputable facts. But if we're moving in a direction, if some of us, the, some of our younger generation are moving in a direction of, I'm not saying inclusion, but I'm saying acceptance of all of us needing a savior. I think bring it on. I mean, that's so. If I'm hearing, if I'm hearing you correctly, <laughs> you're saying that Generation Z might actually be equipped to engage their own culture. A hundred percent. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, genius. Yeah. yeah. Holy Spirit, genius. So the the whole idea that I've seen is that each generation uh, is raised up by the Holy Spirit to, to respond well yeah. to the needs of that generation. And so it's kind of cool that you see a, a culture that's really seeking identity. I mean, we have transgender issues. We've got all kinds of issues, all kinds of, of issues that, that this generation is going to have to sort out. This right. next leader group in the next 40 years will have to sort that out, and they're going to have to help others sort that out. Mm. And so here they are already equipped by the Holy Spirit to do that. So I've, I see the genius of God in this. I've got one last comment and then a big question for you, Katie. The last comment on this study is that Generation Z uh, are much more pragmatic and analytical about making decisions. I've seen that in you. I've watched you as a young woman really take your time and gather the facts. Do you see that in yourself? Uh, yeah, I think it. I'm more like hesitant on almost everything. And so being like real hesitant is kind of taking time and being like, well, if I do this, what's going to be the result? And do I really, you know, want that? And I know a lot of people like that. It's very, I think it's Generation Z. I think it's kind of like that. Yeah, I, I do too. They. They have a lot of information at their fingertips, and they're careful. Yeah. They really do their research. All right, last big question. What advice would you give a Christian parent today with a teenager? What one thing would you say would make the biggest difference? Um, I think probably just trying to understand instead of, of trying to you know tell them what to do or um, kind of force them to go places or do things is to really understand why they don't want to do it and to try to come to an agreement of, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but would you do this with me and we can just figure it out later on? Because 
I'm sure you guys mentioned before, there's no like guide to parenting. You can't just be like, oh, here's how you parent every child. So it's really important. (laughs) It's really important to um, try to um, gather as much information about them and their personality and their opinions as you can before trying to come to an agreement between Mm. each other. I think that's great advice, Katie. And I, I can see this, you know, in my own life, you know, many kids, the, the ones that are younger that I've had more time with, my approach is completely different than when I started with my first kid. And I think the answer, if I was to, to theme that up, is kind of what you're saying is you said something, if you can help the kids, the teenagers understand that even though they don't want to do something, they're doing it with you rather than for you. There's a very interesting distinctive there. When I explain to my daughter, we have to get these things done. We have to get these things done. I'm going to be doing this. I really need you to do this. The inclusion in that process has made all the difference in the world for me. So I, I think you're exactly right. I think that's very, that's very wise insight, Katie. I'm so glad that you took time to be with us today. Well, we've been talking with Katie Morton. She's an 18-year-old in her first year of college. She has a unique perspective on not only Generation Z, but what it's like to be raised in the church. And so we want to thank you, Katie, for being a part of Brilliant Brilliant Parenting. Thanks for having me here. Good to see you. Bye-bye. Brad, you know I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. Okay, I want to tell you about this awesome coffee experience. It's called CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. It is a faith-run coffee culture. And the thing that's really cool about this is that they roast their own beans, they have delicious coffees, and they they have two brick and mortar, so two coffee bars, as well as a virtual location at cjscoffeecafe.com. Here's the cool thing. They ship their beans, they ship their coffee anywhere in the world, so you don't just have to be in Texas to enjoy it. CJ's Coffee Culture and Community. Awesome. Robert, I love Katie. She's fantastic. She is, and she, what a good sport. I know she she hates being in front of a camera. And, yeah. You know, it's not her thing. She's always been behind the camera. Yeah. Um, helping us in production over the, the last year and social media. But she's so invaluable. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I it's it's interesting. I'm glad that she had the courage to to do this because um she is a lot more wise, and we as parents need to hear unbiased, like reflections right. from yeah. someone that is in this position, rather than the theory of, you know, the psychologists that have been doing this for twenty-five years and whatever. There's something raw when you get to, you know, okay, let's just anything goes. Let's ask an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, well, and I've had multiple conversations with her about uh, issues with you know, gay and lesbian lifestyles and some of her friends who sort of decided they're gay and um, just how she's responded to them as a Christian is probably not how most parents would. Mm. Um, She's definitely exhibiting this Generation Z behavior pattern, which is to accept someone and yet still retain your values. And I think for parents, that's one of the, the real details that's important if you're raising a teenager today is that your child can still be a Christian and accept someone else's beliefs. They're not 
they're not abdicating their mm-hmm. values to be a part of that other person's life. Right. And in many generations, that was the case. If you hung out with people, you were just sort of chucking what you believed and absorbing what what the other people did. And I just that distinction is important because this generation has the capacity to retain their own value system. Right while being in another place that doesn't have that value system. And that's important for a parent to know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It get, get, comes back to, you know, we as an older generation have often reacted from a posture perspective, from a spirit of fear, rather than like, okay, if I'm inclusive, if I say I accept the person. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. That's, a, that's not holy. That's fear. And it's... Um, it can be divisive. And, you know, I don't want to be misunderstood here. That, does, that doesn't mean you're condoning something in the same way as, you know, if, some, if you have malaria and I'm a doctor and I want to help you or I want to, like, it doesn't mean that I'm condoning malaria. I'm just loving the person, you know. And it's just, so yeah. often we run from the sense of fear. And I, it's a good reminder. Well, you know, in, a, in using the analogy, uh, we, we kind of have these special ambassadors in this generation, <clears throat> You know, the Bible talks about the idea that we are ambassadors of Christ, hmm. and that's part of what we are as Christians. And it's it's almost like we have a special, you know, uh, Delta Force hmm. generation because they've been prepared specifically to engage this culture well. And I, I don't think we understand that as parents all hmm. the time. I think we think that people should engage the new culture the way we did our old culture. Right. And that's the point of this podcast is to say, hey, we need to notice that there is a spiritual strategy in this. Right. And we don't want to restrain our kids from engaging their culture the way the Holy Spirit is inspiring them to. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, this has been a great uh, episode. I'm so glad that Katie was able to do this with us. Uh, We appreciate you as listeners supporting us and showing up every week to listen. We enjoy getting your comments and certainly cover your prayers. If you think about it, leave us a comment, and uh, any stars that you want to give us would be fantastic and appreciated. How how many stars, Robert? As many stars as they feel comfortable giving. Robert. Okay, you're going to the old way of telling people, coercing them into getting five stars. I'm I'm 50 years old. We need five stars. For my sake, five stars. I'm five zero, five stars. I would recommend four stars and discredit, take one off just for him being coercive like that. So See, in either case, I appreciate you guys. The cynic uh, emerges again. Being with us. And we'll see you here again next week. Right, Brad? I'll be here. I'll be here. Thanks, everybody. Love you. Bye. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes... But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.
Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah, and so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at irlresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. You know, Robert, every parent, every pastor is looking for resources that are new and insightful for their kids. So true. So so where do we go? Well, with the advent of iShineLive.com, we have a web store. And in that web store, we've got resources. Like what? We've got resources like Bibles. We've got devotionals. We even have journals for kids. Do you have music? We do have music. And video? Absolutely. Wow. And everything's been designed for the preteen and tween in your life. Who needs Amazon? iShineLive.com. Check it out.